Blog Talk Radio.
February 13th. That's a Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here for our annual Anti-Valentine's Day show, hosted by yours truly and co-hosted by your girls, Susie P. Newton. And as I mentioned, Tuesday night, we do have um, some millennials that are going to join us. They're going to chime in on the significance of love (laughs) in their lives. Uh, not, not even love, uh, relationships, I should say that, relationships, yeah, and how they're coping with uh, relationships during COVID, relationships pre-COVID, uh, and um, I got some females coming on, and so if I have any gentlemen, you know, millennial gentlemen that want to chime in, you know, to give their perspective on how relationships are pre-COVID and during COVID, you know, by all means, I want you to chime in as well. I don't want the discussion to be one-sided because these females, they got a lot to say. Trust and believe. They already got their little note cards and everything. They're ready. I So um, I had the opportunity to top it up with two of them last night, and they are ready for the show. They got a lot to say, you know. And hopefully we'll have some, some male. We'll have some older, more seasoned females to call in, but hopefully we'll have some older season males to call in as well to be able just to give your perspective on relationships a little bit of advice you know what I'm saying because y'all know how I am when it comes to love and relationships right so I could talk to these females all night and these males as well but you know we want we want to hear the the older more seasoned male perspective as well and the millennial males as well you know when it comes to relationships and when it comes to love because um, we don't want these females just to get up here thinking, you know, what they got to say is right or, you know, necessarily wrong. Um, so we want to hear both sides of the story. All right. <laughs> so that's uh, February 13th, Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this is also the opportunity for the artists, those who have released music from January 15th until February the 12th, uh, to go ahead and get all of your music submitted. This is the one time of the year that we will accept music from those hip-hop artists those rap artists that put out that one sappy, sentimental, sexy, sensual R&B track. That's the one time of the year that we're going to accept that track, all right? So you want to submit it to Siobhan at ngfire at gmail.com, okay? All right, cool. I'm going to jump into this interview uh, with my guest this evening. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to him before the show. We had some technical difficulties. And so we're going to just breathe right on into this interview with him this evening. Uh, my guest is Decatur, Georgia, hip-hop MC, Lil Strap. We're going to talk about his name, too, because I've been talking about, like, the past couple shows, all right? So we're going to talk about his name first and foremost, all right? Uh, Lil Strap is a hip-hop independent MC from Decatur, Georgia, and Edgewood Hutchinson Street. We're going to talk about this bio, too, all right? <laughs> He says that he got his name because he was bullied and bought his first gun, which was a thirty-eight Smith & Wesson, and it was very small. Hence the name, Lil Strap. He says that music runs in his family. It all started with his grandfather, who was in a successful gospel group called the Montgomery Boys, and they traveled throughout Georgia performing and doing radio in the 1960s. And that's where his journey started with music. Now, fast forward to 2021, Lil Strap is carrying his father's legacy by doing hip-hop music, and his goal is to keep his family's name alive. 
Indie Fire listening audience, I present to you this evening my very, very special guest, Cicada Georgia Hip Hop MC, Lil Strap. <laughs> hey, you are very good. I need you on my. I need you on my intro on my next album. That was that was that was. Hey, dope. no problem. I got you. That's what I do. I need you to I bring when they start doing these concerts around. I need you to bring me out from here on out hey, <laughs> and start open up the shows. I I'm a host. I'm a host. That's what I do. How are you? I'm blessed. I can't complain. You know, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, I'm still here. God bless me. Wake me up in the morning. Set me this another day. I can't complain. Amen, amen. That's how you started off, right there. People always ought to, they they give they give so so many shout outs to so many irrelevant, and I don't I don't mean irrelevant in a bad way, but they give shout outs, they show love to so many you know insignificant individuals when they first need to start with showing homage to the creator. Um. So yes, uh, yes, we all are blessed and highly favored. If you are among the land of the living and all that we're going through right now, yes, you are most definitely blessed. He woke you up this morning. He started you on your way. Yes, you are blessed. So, yes, big up to you right there for that right there. I want to jump very quickly into this bio because it's all over the place. Okay. Let me tell you, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I, and I proofread. Uh, I proofread. This bio has stone for a loop. Let me tell you something. As an artist, all right, I'm an A&R too. All right, so as an artist, it is very important that your bio, it, it introduces you. That's your resume. And I know some of our bios, you know, we, we want to keep them suspenseful. Um, we want, they, you know, they may need to be a little mysterious or whatever, but as it introduces you um, and it, as it tells about your musical background, this bio talks about the background of your family. Granted, that is important, especially when doing an interview, because we want to know where you're, where your musical roots come from. But we're talking about your grandfather and we're talking about your dad. And, and this bio doesn't tell me anything about you except for how you got your name. Uh, and I, I found that to be so very disappointing. Like, I wanted to read more about you, the artist, Lil Strap. I know nothing about you in this bio at all. So I want you um, tonight, tomorrow, I don't care, this weekend, I want you to sit down and tell me about you. I'm going to write your bio. I don't do that for nobody no more, but I'm going to write your bio. I want you to sit down and tell me about you. Tell me about your, what you've gone through as a music artist from start to finish. From, I, mean, I mean, from start until now. Tell me what you've gone through as an artist. All of that. I want to know all of it, and I'm going to write your bio. Who? We got a deal? Gotcha. Good. We got a deal. Right. We got a deal. We got a deal. We got a deal. Little strap. We heard it live on the radio. <laughs> little strap. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm a woman of my word, so I got you on that right there. Um, little, right. little, little, little strap. All right. So the story is, you was bullied back in the day. Um. Yeah, you know, I I, I was bullied real bad. Um, coming up in Decatur, Georgia, whatnot, you know, and I was bullied by older cats. You know, I was 14 years old. And I was bullied by older cats, you know, the dope boys in, in, in the apartment complex. I, I, I don't know why, because I was, you know, I wasn't, you know, the, the, the rock. You know, every, when, you in the, when you run the streets, everybody has a um, title when you run the streets. And, you know, mm-hmm. my title, I was a hothead. You know, you, know you, you probably got the dope dealer, the dope user. You got the robber. 
You got the shooter. Mm-hmm. You got the mm-hmm. prostitute. You got the mm-hmm. you know the one that you got. You got the thief. You got the scam artist. Which mm-hmm. role did you play in the streets? You know, everyone had a role they played. If if you lived that lifestyle, and I was a mm-hmm. hothead, you know, I was a fighter, you know, and and I used to tote my gun. I never, I never, you know, I wasn't a shooter, but I used to tote my pistol. And I used, I was a hothead. So for some reason, you know, these these older cats used to just, you know, try to feel like that they can, you know, say anything to me and, you know, threaten threaten me or whatnot. So before I let that went down, I bought a gun. And the reason why a little strike came about because I'm six feet tall. With a with a with a with a little with a little and I bought my first gun and it was about the size of my hand. So people in the hood was laughing like, yo, what you gonna do with that little ass with that little ass strap? You know, what you gonna do with that little ass gun? You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, that like that like that's a that's a that's a gun for my daughter. Like, what are you doing? Like, you you, you kidding me? Like, you, what, what, like where's the Glock? Like, where's the nine millimeter? Like, where's the like? What are you doing? Like, that that's a gun about the size of my pinky finger. What you gonna do with that little old strap, boy? Like, and every time they would see me, I come from work. They like they go a little strap. They go that little what that little strap is. Show, show them that little strap or whatnot. And so that's how the name came about. You know, they was clowning me or whatnot, man. So they was like. Boy, if you ever be a rapper, you know what I'm saying? That's gonna be your name, Lil Strap. Little did I know, you know, I didn't want to do music at the time that I got the I got the name. So they was like, if you ever be a rapper, boy, that's your name, Lil Strap, and that's how it came about. Hmm. I don't know if I would have went with that. Just from the whole, I was bullied, and that's something that it seems like you overcome. The fact that you were you were bullied. The fact that you're six foot tall, and and you was bullied. I mean, but then you told a story. I mean, I bullied you know as a kid as well. You told a story. Yeah, you told a story behind it. Um, you did comical relief behind behind the whole story. I get it now. I get it. Here I am thinking you got this grown ass man. He talking about little strap. He had this little gun. You know, uh, that's what I'm thinking when I'm hearing when I'm reading about you know the story. Um, right, but I get it. I get it now. It's, it's, yeah, that name came, that that uh, name came from years ago when I was when I was a teenager. <laughs> crazy, I, crazy, crazy, yes, crazy, yes, yes, very much so. All right, so we know we know all about your 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 musical roots. We know where it comes from. Now, in your bio, you, you jump and you talk about um, carrying on your father's legacy of hip hop music. So was your father an artist as well? Now we know about your grandfather and his gospel um, legacy with the Montgomery Boys. But now your father was he an artist as well? Well, let me correct that. That my grandfather, I call my grandfather my father because he raised me. But my biological father, you see what I'm saying? You know, like, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You still bio see? You see? <laughs> That's why you got. That's why you come in and you help me. That's why you come that's in. Why that's why I got you. Come you. In that's why I got you. That's why. So, yeah, it's okay. my grandfather. Yeah, my biological father. He was my biological father was very successful. You know, I call him my pops because he raised me. Like he 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 raised me. So you know. Understood. But, Understood. Yeah, they they was in a they was in a gospel group. It was five of them, and they was very successful. Um, but they did gospel, and they traveled around the south you know, doing shows and getting paid for it, and they was actually on the radio. 
my mom told me a story one time when she was little. She didn't understand why when they went back home from where they're from, that they, you know, pulled up in new Cadillac Super DeVille's and they had gold teeth and they looked like the mafia with the hats and stuff and they were signing autographs or whatnot and she didn't understand come to find out they were a successful gospel group. So that's where it started. You know, people people think my journey with music started, you know, when I was when I started writing music on my own in 2010, no, it's, I, I take it back to when my grandfather, because it, it runs in the family. It's in, it's in the family. It's in my blood. So that's so where the journey blood, actually yeah. started. And I think that that is, uh, I find that to be true with a lot of my female R&B hip-hop artists. You know, they, they have roots in the church. You know, they used to sing in the church choir, um, but not very often that a lot of my male artists, you know, um, when they, they decided, you know, I'm going to use music to be my, my mental release, you know, not very often do you find male artists where they have some deep roots in the, in the church. Um, so, yeah, I understand. I, I want to say the Montgomery Boys, the name sounds really, really familiar. Um, really, really familiar. Um, nevertheless, um, Moving, moving right along. So we know how your foundation came about. Let's let's move on up to to the year 2010 when you really started to write music. You know, how did the music was already in your blood that year, 2010? You know, what really sparked um, your passion to just you know full throttle and say, hey, um, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna start writing music, I'm gonna take my you know my music career seriously. You know, what was so significant about the year 2010? It started off with an argument with a home with, with a dude that we I no longer um talk to or whatnot. He told he told me he was like, I can stop you from eating, I can stop you from feeding your family with this music. Like you know, wow, wow. He he said he said he like said that? I put it into your career. He said I put it into your career. Yeah, I'm not gonna name him because he he shall remain nameless. But he it was, I was on my way. Um. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was Valentine's Day, and I was on my way to Golden Corral. And me, being 25, and being 26 at the time, sitting back arguing with this cat, had I known better, I would have hung up the phone and enjoyed my evening with the young lady who I was with. <laughs> but I'm sitting here, and I'm listening to him. He was like, I'll stop you from feeding your family with your music career. Like, I'll, I'll end it. That's what sparked. I said, okay, that's it. I'm done. And that's what sparked it. I was like, I'll show you better than I can tell you. I didn't say nothing else. I just let that word, I, I let his words spark the fire in me to say, I'll show you better than I can tell you. And um, I immediately started writing that day. I immediately started writing, putting together, I put together a demo first. And I was working at Phillips Arena. And I passed it out to my people at, the, at um, Phillips Arena, which is now State Farm Arena here in Atlanta, Georgia just to get their feedback. And I, I, I take criticism. Was it whack? How it like, you know, did they like it? I did a four-tape demo, passed it around to like 20 people at Phillips Arena, or maybe 30, and I got nothing but fee- good feedback. Nothing but good feedback. So I went back into the studio, recorded my first mixtape, Troublesome, and I released it on March 26th. Now, the reason why I released it on March 26th because I am a hip-hop fanatic. I am a hip-hop head. So March the 26th is the day Easy e passed. 
And I chose the lane of gangster rap because that's what I grew up on. You think by me being from Atlanta, I grew up on Outkast and Goody Mob, the Dungeon Family, um, Ghetto Mafia, which I did, but I did not listen to their music consistently. I grew up on West Coast music. Tupac Shakur is my hip-hop idol. I grew up on NWA. I grew up on Ice Cube. I grew up on Snoop. I grew up on Death Row Records. I have a Death Row chain because I'm I'm a Death Row affiliate. I'm not a Death Row artist. I'm a Death Row affiliate. So I dropped my first mixtape, Troublesome, on March 26th, and it did good. It ended up in by myself, independently. Everything came out of my pocket. We didn't have Facebook. I mean, we didn't have, I didn't have a, a, a support team behind me as far as a street team. So I did everything by myself. And this is when Facebook started popping or whatnot. And MySpace was on its way out the door. So it was perfect. And I put it in the hands. And DJ Greg Street, who is my homie to this day at V103, um, I put it in the hands of, I was going to these radio stations by myself, after work, before work just giving them my CD, taking heavy criticism and letting them know what that, what they was letting me know what I needed more. Cause I wasn't, I'm not the best rapper in the world. I just wanted to be a, a lyricist. And, um, that's mm-hmm. how it started. It started off of a threat saying that this dude said he'll stop me from feeding my family. He'll stop my career. So it started off of a threat. Wow. And that was in 2010, you said? Yes, 2010. And I released my first mixtape, March, I I released my first mixtape, March 26th. That that argument was on February 14th, 2010. The mixtape, the full mixtape came out March 26th. So, you know, here we are, celebrating 11 years as a solo independent artist. It's crazy what emotions um, can inspire within an individual. Um, a question I like to ask a lot is what motivates you and what inspires you to continue to do, you know, what you what you do. So in the course of 11 years, what has been your consistent motivator? Growing up, knowing that I could do it, um, I want to say writing. Writing is my motivation. And hip-hop, you know what I'm saying? I, I love hip-hop. I just, like, like that's that's my go-to. You know, um, music depends on what mood I'm in. Music is my go-to. Um, the people, my supporters who actually support me, that, that motivates me as well. Like, hey, um, we ain't heard nothing in a while. You, you, you in the studio? What's next? That motivates me. Genuine motivation as well. Like it's not just it's not just fake or whatnot. You can tell from the people who support you and the people who don't support you. Um, they always they always reminded me that hey, you got a gift, use it. Cause I didn't. I grew up thinking I didn't have no talent at all. I grew up thinking that because I didn't have no. Um, scouts coming out looking at me because they heard that I was the best point guard on my basketball team. I didn't have no scouts coming out looking at me because they heard that I was the best 
wide receiver on my football team. I didn't have no scouts coming out looking at me because they heard I was the best hind catcher on my baseball team. So I grew up hopeless. So when I started writing poetry and I turned my poetry into music and the music started having effect on other people in a positive way, that motivated me. And plus, once again, hip-hop runs in my – it's in my – if you cut me, I bleed hip-hop. I love hip-hop. And it's just motivation. When I hear a song and it motivates me, then I get right back in the studio and, like, just do another song or do a whole other EP or album or whatnot. So my supporters, and by God giving me a gift of music, that's enough motivation itself. He said if you cut him, he bleeds hip-hop. That's deep. That's deep. <laughs> I mean, it's hip-hop so is just not, do? and hip-hop is just not hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? Like, hip-hop is a lifestyle. Anybody could rap. You guys, see, people get it mixed up so, mad, so, so, so bad. They get it mixed up with hip-hop and rap. Anybody could rap. Right. My, right. Little, my old three-year-old niece can rap, but hip-hop. It's what you live. It's what you breathe. It's, it's how you dress. Exactly. It's how you walk. It's exactly. a lifestyle. That's why I I, I, I tell people like, oh, oh, people ask me, oh, you rap? Nah. I'm a hip-hop MC. Master of ceremony. It's a difference. It's a difference. It's a big difference. So what's a typical day like for No Strap? Like, you got a nine-to-five, and then you hit the studio, and you blessed to be able to be in the studio 24-7. I mean, what's a typical day like for you? Nine-to-five, yes, I do have a nine-to-five, most definitely. Um, I'm blessed to have a nine-to-five. Actually, I got two of them. Glory to the Most High God. Um, And, yes, um, I write. I'm currently writing right now as we speak. Um, I got a studio session this Sunday. And we 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 locked in all day. Um, about to take another turn because people know me for this, you know, this gangster rap stuff or whatnot. So, about to you know, we're about to throw put little strap in the back burnt, you know, in the in the back for right now, and bring out because I like what you said before I came on that you know we need you know females have a lot to say when it comes to love or whatnot. Well, I have something coming on the way right now. <laughs> And we're going to shoot Uh-oh. a video in a, in a semi-mini movie. And I'm putting, uh, you know, my real name is Tyrone. I'm going to show the world, Tyrone. We're going to put away little strap. We're gonna, I'm going to show the world because not many male artists out there are willing to show that side of them that it's okay to be in love with a female. It's okay to say, hey, I want to be with you. I want to settle down. I want to marry you and still keep your masculinity. It's okay. So, that's what's coming next. Okay. <laughs> That's what All I got right. coming next. Yes, yes. I think the gentleman that I had on Monday, um, I'm not sure where the the discussion went, but we were just talking about how important it is. You know, um, men are just so accustomed to being the the provider, the the protector. You know, they always assume that their role is to um, just always show that they are always have their stuff together. 
they cannot show their, um, and I don't want to say their feminine side because somebody may take that the wrong way, but they they don't want to show that they can be vulnerable, you know, and speaking from a female perspective, that's what females want to see. I don't want you to be all masculine at all times. You know what I'm saying? I need to know that you can cry when stuff happens um, because stuff happens. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's what females want. They want a man that can um, let your guard down sometimes. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to show us at all times that you got to be in control and, you know, um, and that you are really capable of loving. And, and it's just amazing to listen to these young females talk about just the things that they're going through. Uh, And I just remember being their age, 18, 19 and 20 and not even dealing with half the stuff that they're dealing with. You know, you, you dealing with COVID for one, you know, the world is shut down. You know what I'm saying? You can't do the things that you would normally be able to do with your friends. Um, And then you have to deal with, young men acting the way they're acting now, you know, um, idolizing celebrities the way that they do and expecting these young ladies to just do things that you see other people doing. The things, right. the, the conversations that they're they're having now, I don't even, they, you shouldn't even be thinking about stuff like that right now. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I want to, like I said, I want to have this open forum for them on, on the anti-Valentine's Day show, but um, just older, the older generations, I, there are so many of us that can't even speak freely. Um, we've been so caught up in, you know, um, social media, what we see on social media and, and what we see on, on, on television. And we are so caught up, you know, in negativity, negativity and, 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 and just what put out there now that um, people my age just can't even hold decent conversations no more. It's just, it's, it's crazy. I don't know. All right, so I'm ready for Tyrone. Um, I'm, I'm ready for Tyrone. I need to see a different side of Tyrone. Little strap, I should say. Different side. So I'm ready for that, definitely. Um, so Most definitely. Sorry. Sorry I got on my, my little pedestal and got all. No, I got stuff. you. I'm Topic. here with you. I'm right here yeah. with you. <laughs> I'm right here with you. Yeah, I can do that sometimes. Um. So you got the nine to five. You got two. I'm stepping in the studio on Sunday. That's what I was about to say. Stepping in the studio on Sundays. We're gonna need a drop while you in the studio. We gonna most definitely need a drop while you in there. Um, but new projects coming up. You got other than the the Tyrone. <laughs> I don't want to call it the Tyrone, but other than that, no, that's just my name. Or is that what you're working on right now? Right now, I'm working on a new a new EP. I'm working on an EP. I'm calling it Hip Hop Heavyweights. That's what's okay. next. Working on Hip Hop Heavyweights. Okay. Um, the reason why I'm naming it Hip Hop Heavyweight because, I mean, I do think by me consistently 11 years of giving independent, you know, radio and um, doing shows or whatnot before COVID and everything, nonstop that um, – I'm a heavyweight in this game, just like the rest of these cats. You know, you don't have to labor yourself or dumb down yourself because you haven't made it to the Grammys, 
to be, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You don't have, you don't, you don't have to, you know, you're, you don't put, you don't put yourself in a box. If you feel like that you are lyrical, if you feel like that you, that person and you put in that work and you have the accolades to show it as an independent artist standing next to millionaires or whatnot and not even getting a co-sign, but they rock with you because they heard your music. You a heavyweight, dog. You know what I'm saying? God bless you with that. Give you, you done your thing. You don't have to sell a million records to be a hip-hop independent heavyweight in the same, man. You can put out what you love, put out what's from your heart, and it will get accepted. Don't put you, and people want to be followers, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to rap like the next person. Everybody sound alike. I tried to get in the studio and start signing like that. I was like, man, turn this shit off, yo. Like, I'm getting back to my original style. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not yeah. doing this crap, man. This ain't me. <laughs> I'm like, what yeah. am I doing? You got to stay true to so yourself. Every, you got to stay true to yourself. You got to stay true yeah, to yourself. Yeah, you got to stay true to yourself. You're right. Most definitely. Most definitely. You got to stay true to yourself and, you know, um, be original. It's all about oh, originality. Definitely. Most definitely. That's what it's all about right there. Um, originality, you know, you have to have your own. I see so many artists that are trying to sound like, you know, the next artist. There's there's not a there's not a recipe, you know, when it comes to this this industry. Um, you have to be able to create your own sound, your own style. It it is your brand, and it needs to be unique. I mean, it needs to be totally um, all about you. And there are so many artists, you know, that are like cookie cutters of the next artist. You know, they they sound alike, they look alike. Um, everything about them emulates somebody else you know what i'm saying and so find an artist that is uniquely set apart um and you wonder why they do so much better you know what i'm saying um they may not have the following and uh they may not have the views you know what i'm saying but when you listen to their music that's already pulls me in and when you listen to their music and you see that they're set apart, you know, their sound is just set apart. Um, that uniqueness right there, that's what draws me in to an artist. And when they're set apart from everyone else, they got a style, you know, their flavor is just different from anybody else. That's what just, that's what draws me in, you know? I mean, and there's not a lot of artists because like that, because everybody's trying to follow everybody else, you know? Most oh, no. definitely. I don't know. And Most I know. And I'm I mean, looking at these names. I'm looking at these names here. I see that you work with some, you know, um, I see that you work with some heavy hitters in the industry. Uh, when it comes to that, uh, people see names like that. Like my, my, my guy from the other night, he worked with Khaled. He was on tour with Khaled. And um, see things like that, and they think, oh, you know, oh, here comes the hate. You know what I'm saying? And the track that he did with Khaled, didn't do as good as the track that he has out right now. He did this track in his own home studio in his backyard. And that track right now is doing crazy numbers. But his track with Khaled did, you know, it did all right. You know what I'm saying? So um, when people see that you got a track with Pastor Troy or you got a track that's featuring Snoop, 
you know, have you suffered any resistance or skepticism because of who you're associated with? Oh, most definitely. And it came from my, you know, um, they, I, that, I don't even know where they at right now because they separated themselves from me. Some people wow. accepted it. And so, yeah, yeah, they separated themselves from me. I was like, wow, you know what I'm saying? It just showed me the true colors or whatnot, you know what I'm saying? That's what, that's, that's what goes back to what I just said. You can tell the people from that and the, the people that actually actually support you to people who actually don't. And that even made me, you know, motivated even more to get back in the studio and work with more artists who I have connections with and get them, you know, because these are people who I respect. I love Pastor Troy. I've been knowing Pastor Troy for over 10, 12 years. Before, you know, I even thought about, you know, doing music or whatnot, I was supporting Pastor Troy or whatnot, you know. So to actually get him in, get him on a song in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of the George Floyd incident, you know, that was a blessing, you know what I'm saying, just to have his, you know what I'm saying, just to call him personally and just say, hey, man, let's let's do a track. You know, I got this track or whatnot. It's like NWA after police part two. You, you want in? You're like, yeah, that was it. That's how that happened. And, I mean, some people supported it, and the people who I felt like I thought that was going to support it the most did not support it. Now, the one person that supported it the most that do not listen to none of my raps because, I mean, you know, I need to water it down just a little bit for her is my mom. My mom loves that track with Pastor Troy. <laughs> she loves it. That She loves it. Like, I done done a thousand Mom songs. Mom said you need to water your music down. She said you need to water it down. Yeah, man. She said I need to water it down before she listens to any song. But when she heard the one back to the streets with Pastor Troy, she said, I love it. I like it. It's on her playlist now. I was like, finally, I got a song. And it took that one for her to say, I like your music. Because I was hoping she was well, going to like go Black Love and, or something. So I want to go ahead and give this one to the listening audience and give you the opportunity to go ahead and introduce it. What up, what up, what up? It's your boy Lil Strap, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, Decatur, Georgia. This song right here, dedicated to everyone who feel the way we feel. This is Back to the Streets, featuring my homeboy, my brother, Pastor Troy. Sure. Yeah. Y'all done fucked up now. I done went and got one of my OGs, nigga. Damn the motherfucking police. Hey, PT, you ready? Let's go strap. Come on. Strap and PT, police is in trouble. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about my motherfucking hoe. Uh-huh. Got a full clip and it's all legit. So the police can't tell me shit. Uh-huh. It's a strap and PT, police is in trouble. Come on. I don't give a fuck about my motherfucking hoe. Yeah. Got a full clip and it's all legit. So the police can't tell me shit. Well, Rest in peace, George Floyd. We still riding, homie. Long Lyra Shard Brooks. You forever, homie. I went and bought a pistol. Now I'm ready for war. It's me against the government. I'm ready for war. I stand face to face with you. I ain't scared, nigga. You want to take it to the hands? We can fight, nigga. Bet I whip your fucking ass. This Atlanta, nigga. I'm the goddamn king. So respect it, nigga. I got my all black on and I'm ready to bang. I got my niggas with me, too, and they ready to swing. Fuck George Zimmerman and the racist police. Black Lives Matter, bitch. We taking it back to the police is in trouble. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about my motherfucking hoe. Uh-huh. Got a full clip and it's all legit, so the police can't tell me shit. Uh-huh. It's a strapping 
but you can't be a hip hop artist and a gangster at the same time. You can't be, you know, if you're going to be a gangster, that's what you do. You gang bang. You bang yeah. for your color. You bang for that concrete. And, it, and let, let's see how they work out for you. Because at the end of the day, your name is on the back of that CD or streaming mm-hmm. that we have now. You know, we still have hip hop police. They're still around here. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you can't be a gang <laughs> member and a, and a hip hop artist. You, you can't be a gang okay. member and a hip hop artist. You got to choose one. So I'm just a I'm just a person who speaks the truth. And I'm a, I, 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 if you listen to it, it's like soul. You know, it's like it's like soul music. You know what I'm saying? It just speaks to you. I just talk about what things what people go through. You know, I, I rap about what people are afraid to speak on. So I'll I'll speak for it. I feel like I'm the voice of the voiceless. You know, yeah. there are a lot of people out here with no voice. So somebody got to yeah. stand in the gap and speak for somebody. Them. That's so right. I'll do it. That's right. And I think artists as well as authors. Um, who are able to do that, people in general, um, because that is something, you know, I, I'm an advocate for a lot of different um, organizations, and I feel like that's something I say all the time. You know, sometimes you have to be the voice for those who are crying out of silence, who are cannot, you know, cannot speak for themselves. Um, but artists and authors, um, you know, when they're able to, to write um, what others cannot get out, when they're able to um, live their lives and and do so, um, so that you know you may be living my story um, through the words of your music, or you may be able to write you know my life in your book. Um, and it, when it's relatable, you know um, I think it's more acceptable to your listening audience or to your reading audience. You know, not some some made up stuff. You know, when it's life, real life experiences. People grasp that a whole lot better. They're more understanding and they're more receptive of, of your music or of what you have written and when it's real life and not that made-up stuff, you know? And a lot of these artists nowadays, you ain't even gone through, you know, this trapping that you're talking about, you know, this gang-banging that you're talking about. You, you've seen these, these uh, scenarios. Um, you've heard somebody else talk about it. You're living through somebody else's life, you know? But when an artist can actually um, pen what they've gone through, I mean, people can relate to that. I, I just, that artist, to me, you know, they become my favorite artist because, yeah, that's some real-life shit. I've gone through that, you know? <laughs> so I completely Right, they lived I'm it. You. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. They lived it, you, you know what I'm saying? And it's not right. It's <laughs> yeah. a slap in the, that's what I'm saying. It's a slap in the face to the people who actually lived it for these corny-ass, whack-ass, bum-ass rappers out here that rap about shit that they ain't never lived, man. That's you not right. It's a slap in the face exactly. to the people. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a slap in the face to the people and the, and, the, and the rap artists that actually went through it, that actually had to sell the dope, that actually have been shot up, that actually, you know what I'm saying, went through, you know, probably being in child um, custody or whatnot and defects or whatnot, had a hard life. Right, they right. mom died over drug overdose. Their mom was never there. I mean, they, they pops was never there or whatnot. It's a slap in the face to them because we got these whack-ass rappers that the DJs and the radio and these companies, I'm sorry to say it, will put on the radio and blow them up, rapping about shit that they ain't never done before, yo, to the people who actually out mm-hmm. who actually live that shit. It's a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Man, it ain't right. Somebody got to speak on it. I feel you. Somebody got to speak on it. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> 
We have to protect our people, uh, man. I feel you. Can't remember who it was. Um. Oh my gosh. Um. Ah, uh, Billie Eilish. At some point last year, she made a statement. You know, um, and a lot of people in the hip hop community, you know, they they ate her up. Um, but she made the statement. You know, she just said, just casually, you know, a lot of you rappers, you talk about. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't even remember how the article went, but she just, just randomly, you know, said a lot of you rappers, you know, you talk about things that, or you rap about things that half of you have never even gone through, you know, um, maybe now you have the big house and maybe now you have the fancy car, but, you know, prior to your rap career, you didn't have any of this. So how could you speak about what you didn't have? You know, like, were you futuristic? Like, you know, how did, how do you, how could you talk about this? Or how could you talk about living such a life of sin when you grew up in the suburbs? Or, you know, and, and I got completely what she was saying because so many of them made up these fictitious lies, you know, like they, they made up, like they made up lies. Like they didn't go through any of this. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have hard knock lives. Don't get me wrong. A lot of them have had these lives, but a lot of them didn't. And again, it makes those who actually have gone through some some real life struggles, you know, it makes them, you know, sit back and think like, you know, was my life any less than because I went through this or, you know, was your life any greater than mine because you, you know, why would you, you know, and I, I always question that because I had a, I had a great life. You know, I, I mean, my mother raised me. I didn't have a two-parent home, but I had a great life. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I always went to, I always, I had to go hang out in the projects. You know what I'm saying? Always. Um, because I had to be able to tell somebody else's story, you know? Um, even though I grew up in the suburbs, I had to go in the projects. I always stayed in the projects. My mother was like, don't go, in, don't go to the projects. You know, whenever we moved, my mother would be like, she would go scout out the area that you don't go. You don't want to go to this part of town. You don't want to go here. But who always went to the bad part? Me. Because I, I got to always hung out where I wasn't supposed to hang out. So I always knew the street. You know what I'm saying? So I could always tell you about what you wasn't supposed to do. And I always knew that type of stuff. But I needed to have that in my life. You know what I'm saying? But I understood what Billy Ice was saying at the at that that point in time. But for these individuals who talk the life and, you know, and, and write about the life, who haven't experienced the life, like I feel, I don't, what what are they really trying to, um, what are they trying to, what, what, what are they trying to do? Like what, how are they trying to make themselves look? I don't, like that's what I, I don't understand. That, that I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. Again, I feel like they're trying to just, follow this cookie cutter mold and, and be somebody that they're not. And, um, I don't know. I want to jump off of that, but, but I feel exactly where you, where you're coming from. Um, uh, all right. So if you, if right. you can make yourself or be a better musician, you know, moving forward, what would you do to make yourself low strap, um, remaining true to yourself? How would you make yourself a better musician? That's a great question. I would um, 
actually do music more catering to what's going on in today's society to make myself a better um, MC or whatnot. Um, Well, first of all, we know that the black woman is the most unappreciated and unprotected species on this earth. Um, I would do that. I would actually, you know, and I mean, I I wouldn't say I would actually get out here and um, protest and stand for women's rights because I do that. You know what I'm saying? I stand on the front line for black women. Um, I would definitely, um, I mean, I'm already starting to, it's crazy you asked me that question because I'm already starting to make that transition. Um, Speaking on police brutality, politics, which I don't even get in, um, speaking more on how God saved my life, you know, giving God the glory and the praise of how he saved my life and how he can save yours too. No, I would just, you know, pretty much um, speak more of myself and my experiences and the things around me and how we can make a change if we start killing each other and hating on each other because we can be our worst enemy. We can be our worst enemy. I promise you we can. You want to point the blame at the white people or whatever, but the black community is just as it's just as worse. It's just as worse. It's just as worse because I think being a MC and a rapper is probably the most dangerous thing that we 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 we, we, we are targeted. We, we we are the most targeted because we're talking about the hip hop police. We're talking about people, who, haters who. They, they they mad because you made it and they didn't, so they'll kill you. You're targeted by um, lawsuits. If you even cuss out somebody, that's a lawsuit, and you have to pay that lawsuit out. The media will drag your name through the mud. One simple story, just they will blow it up, and they will drag your name through the mud, and they call, we got the cancel culture now where they will cancel you. It's like you can't do anything anymore <laughs> because people are at your throat every time when you are artists and they want to do any, they will do anything to bring you down. But back to your question, I would put more positivity into my music, but there's still going to be some gangster shit there now. I mean, that's my roots now. <laughs> But I will put some, you know. I mean, I gotta keep it real. Like you know, what I'm saying somebody, some, somebody gonna, somebody gonna get caught with a stray bullet. Somebody gonna get hit with a stray bullet. But I mean, I will put more positivity into my music because I mean, my grandfather, my pops was a gospel artist. Not saying I'm gonna turn into a gospel artist, but you know, I will recognize, you know, what I'm saying my Lord Jesus, you know, which I always, I, I do in my personal time. But far as my music, you know, I would um, recognize my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ more often and just, you know, let some of these, let the women know that there are some kings out here because right now the women, the black women of this world don't feel like there are no men out here that will protect them. Just look and see what's going on. Did you see what happened in um, in New York? The lady was just going in the store just to get a drink and she came out and her face and they, they, they jumped her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's how, that's how, that's what I would do with better myself as a, as an artist. 
because as I'm talking and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about Tupac Shakur on how he, in the beginning, it was thug life, but then he started to diverse himself when Me Against the World came out where he talked about the media, black women, dear mama, but then he said, I see death around the corner because there's so many haters, you know, all that, all that, but he also kept it gangster as well. So, most definitely. What would you like um, fans, followers, our listening audience to remember most about you? That I was a giver. And I love the Lord. That I gave the shirt off my back to help anyone. And I love the Lord. And I was a lover, not a fighter. I will give you the shirt off my back. You know, I'm a giver. You know, I mean, I'll help anyone. Any, if I got it, you you got it. Anybody that's in need. You know, my heart bigger than my body. And, and I love the Lord. Um, and, and I was a family man. There may be someone who is listening right now who say an uh, independent artist and they say, you know, all right, I've listened to this interview and he is, he's funny, you know, um, he's inspiring, he's motivating, um, but he, he's an artist just like I am, you know, he puts out the same type of music I do, you know, he's been doing this for a minute, I've been doing this for a minute too. Or I may be a brand new artist. Um, either way, um, I feel like what he's doing is, you know, pretty much the same thing I've been doing. He's gone a little further than I have. Uh, what's so great about him that, you know, is not within me? Like, why why he could do it, but I can't do it. What piece of advice could you offer to this, you know, old head or new aspiring artist to say, hey, you know, uh, that, 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 that. What did you say to that person? Stay true, stay true to yourself, and if you're going, if you, if this is what you want to do, you have to put in the work. It's not going to come to you. You have to put in the work. Make sure that you're dead serious about your craft. Put God first. Put in the work. Don't let nobody, don't sign a damn thing until you get you a lawyer. Don't sign nothing. Make sure you have a lawyer to read them contracts because they will try to get you. They will try to own you. They will try to own your music. They will try to own your catalog. They will try to own you. Make sure you have a legit lawyer. Always, when you make it, always reach back and help somebody else that's trying to get to where you are. Don't get too cocky. Don't get too big head because you can fall off. You can fall off. But stay if you're serious about it, stay working. Connect with people. Network. Do not be afraid to network. Close mouth. Do not get fed. Your approach. Work on your approach. 
everybody's not big on sagging pants anymore now. And walking up, you know what I'm saying, you know, looking like you just came out of the Cab County jail or whatnot, you know what I'm saying, looking for No, nobody's going to take you serious. <laughs> if you have to get a nine-to-five to get your approach right, there's nothing wrong with a nine-to-five. There's nothing wrong with having a job. There's nothing wrong with having a job. So if this is what you want to do and you don't have the finances, you can go fill out an application and work your nine-to-five to finance everything you want to do. Studio time is not a lot of money. Studio equipment, if you get the right job, you know, it's not a lot of money. Write your own music. Copyright it. Make sure you get it copywritten. Read upon the music industry because this music industry can be cutthroat. It can be cutthroat and it can be very dangerous. So just keep God first. Be serious about what you do. Respect others. And your career will take off. But you have to humble yourself. And again, don't get too cocky and don't get too big-headed thinking you're better than somebody because you can't you, you can fall right back down to where you was. When you make it in this music industry, my people, always reach back and help somebody else who want to do the same thing you do. That's how you get your blessing. Words of advice. And guys, I always tell you when these artists, entrepreneurs, authors, when they come on the show and they uh, drop these gems, don't just sit on them. You know, soak up all of this information that they give you. Don't only apply them to, you know, your music career or your career as an author. You know, make them applicable to every part of your life because um, they don't only apply to, you know, your creative side, but they can be applied to every part of your life. All right. We want to end uh, the show with your track, Kobe. Um and I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk about that just a little bit and then introduce it, and then we're going to close with that. But um, as the show was going on, we did get some news. Um, this just came out, 7.19 p.m. We want to say rest in peace and give our condolences uh, from the staff here at Indie Fire to the friends and family of actress um, Cicely Tyson. Guys, she passed away today at the age of 96. I ain't even got to tell you who she is because you know who she is, and uh, my kids and I was just talking about her, like, yesterday, how, you know, some people who you have been with us forever, you know what I'm saying, how you just never expect for them to pass away, like the Queen, you know, uh, the Queen Elizabeth of England, like, she gonna be here forever, right. like, Betty White, right. Betty White gonna be here forever, you know, and we were saying Cicely Tyson's <laughs> gonna be here forever, Um because they just they've been here like ever since we've been here they've been here and um how we were just talking about how as people get older it seems like they start aging backwards like you know uh their skin is just perfect like they have very few wrinkles and um they seem to just be um you know like just outliving time it seems and um something that people also fail to realize is that you know we 
we always want to attach, especially now with COVID, we want to attach COVID to everything. COVID is attached to everyone's death. Like Hank Aaron died this weekend. Um, we want to attach COVID to everyone's death. Cloris Leachman died yesterday, and, you know, she was 94, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and my younger son was saying, you know, well, death is a part of life, Mom. And, and yes, people keep forgetting that death is a part of life. Um, man born to woman is surely, you know, he got to die. You know, that's in the Bible. And so um, it just so happens that with 2020 and 2021, we just seeing it just seems like it. we see it. It's It's more... Um, we can't miss it. It's just in our face a lot more, but um, it, it just may be their time. You know, that's how I look at it. It just may be their time. You know, we're only supposed to live three score and, and 10. You know, they have lived uh, phenomenal lives. 96, 96, looking like she's 65. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, so, again, we want to extend our condolences to the family of um, the incomparable um, Cicely Tyson. Um, let's talk about Kobe featuring, I got Snoop Dogg, I got Derek Milano, I got Dane Dalla. Um, let's talk about that real quick and let's uh, take him out with Kobe. The song came about. Dame Damian Leonard from the um, Portland Trailblazers. Shout out to him. Him, Snoop Dogg, and um, Derek Milano. They did a song together. It was it's actually um, Dame Dollar's song. They did a song together, and um, they did it in memory of Kobe and Gigi. God bless their souls. Their one year anniversary was two days ago, and um, Dame Dollar is such a real dude that. He took the instrumental and put it on his YouTube page and did a Kobe challenge. And he said, any inspiring artist out there, if Kobe inspired you in any type of way, add your verse on here. You know what I'm saying? Let me see what you got. You know, that's the type of dude he is. Now, the original song is Damon Dollar's song, Dame Dollar's song, Damian Leonard's song, and it's on NBA 2K. You know, he submitted the NBA 2K, so if you got that game, then you know that song is on there with um, featuring Snoop or whatnot. But he's such a real person that he was like, you know, here goes an open verse. I'm putting it on my YouTube page. Y'all go on there and let me hear what y'all got. And, you know, I put, you know, the best verses of who I like on my Instagram page and get y'all some followers and some views, you know what I'm saying? You'll, you'll be seen. And um, when I seen that, I'll never forget. I was writing a song. I don't know what I was writing. No, I was doing devotion. I was reading. I, I was doing devotion, and I seen that. And immediately after I got through doing my devotion, I immediately started writing. I hit up my guy Tony and said, "Hey, we have to write. Like you, we got you. Got to come back. You, like I'm like my my album not done. We had just wrapped up the EP, and I called him back. I said, "Yo, the the album not done. The album's not done. Like." I, I thought the album was done, but it's not done. You're not going to believe this. And uh, I wrote my verse that night. I wrote my verse that night because I heard the original song already. So I heard Dame Dollar's verse first, and I heard Snoop's verse. My take on it was if I'm going to jump on the track with these guys and add my verse to it, I have to come, I, I got I can't come no less 
I got to come hard. I got to take off and I got to go off, not because of, you know, Dame Dollar or Snoop Dogg, it's because of Kobe and Gigi. I have to represent them right. I have to represent him right. And um, that's how that happened. I, I added my verse along with many other artists around the world who added their verse, whether their verse was about Kobe or not. I added my verse, and um, that's how the song came about. So it ain't like that me, Dame Dollar, and Snoop was in the studio, all three of us together, and we came with a song. No, that's not how that happened. That song was originally belonged to it's Dame Dollar featuring Snoop, Kobe, and he's just so real enough that he allowed other artists around the world to add their verse. Now, what they did with their verse, I don't know. I can only speak for me. I put my verse on there. I left Dame Dollar verse on there and Snoop on there, and I added to my album, and there you have it. So with that being said, to close this radio show out, Rest in peace to Cicely Tyson, first and foremost. Beautiful black woman. Long live the black mamba, Kobe Bean Bryant. And long live Gigi. We love you. We miss you. This is right here. It's Kobe, Dame Dollar, featuring myself, Lil Strap, and the legendary, iconic Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. Pull it back, Kobe. Pull it back, Kobe. Swish. I don't even gotta look. I take the shot in here. Swish. I don't even touch the rim when I pull up. It's just swish. Back for what? Only thing I know is swish. Pull it back, Kobe. Rest in peace to the Mamba and Baby Gigi. Still remember where I was standing after the three P. Fro was lined up yelling Kobe, but playing Pee Well, you know that shoot the freebie right after they tear a Achilles. Killer, number eight was crazy, but 24 was scary. Respect his name and else he might show up as Bloody Mary. Won't forget the things he mentioned, how to get a Larry. Whatever necessary, he tried to help prepare me. They tell us never look in the eyes of a killer. I did it out respect for the greatest at Staples Center. The closest thing to MJ, no, I ain't talking thriller. It ain't an iron team, but a me in it. Please remember, Ben. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. Pull it back, Kobe. Kobe, 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 Kobe. Pull it back, Kobe. Swish. I don't even gotta look. I take the shot in here. Swish. I don't even touch the rim when I pull up. It's just swish. Back for what? Only thing I know is swish. Pull it back, Kobe. Kobe. I never understood greatness till I seen Kobe. The black mama in my spirit, I got it from Kobe. I'm from Decatur, but I bleed that purple and gold. That number 8 and 24 will never get old. You was the best to ever do it. Next to MJ, you cross them up and then you hit them with that fadeaway. And when it came to the game, you didn't show no fear. You had the Lakers on your back the whole 20 years. Five-time champion and an Oscar winner. Every time you hit the court, you was a straight killer. 81 points, you made history. Another chapter that was added to your legacy. The best basketball player and a family man. The whole world miss you, Bean. I'm your biggest fan. 
Much love to your family and your legacy. Number two, live forever. Long live Gigi. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. Pull it back, Kobe. Kobe, 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 Kobe. Pull it back, Kobe. Switch. I don't even gotta look. I take the shot in here. Switch. I don't even touch the rim when I pull up. It's just switch. Back for what? Only thing I know is switch. Pull it back, Kobe. Shot clock and it's getting late. Crossover didn't hesitate. Skate by him like a figure eight. Whoever left, dunk bait. Give me the ball, can't wait. Catch them all with the pump fake. Money good, that's number eight. Clutch time hard in the paint. Kobe. Purple and gold. Lake a legend. Killer, killer. Stone cold. Ain't no question. Five time champion. The eighth wonder raining on them. Take cover, switched up and changed numbers. Wow. Many tried him, but came up show. 24, king of the coat. I'ma need backup, mission of hope. You do not know me, you cannot hold me. MVP, dribble the left and right and pull it back, Kobe. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. Ever since a young boy, I've been getting buckets. Pull it back, Kobe. Kobe, 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 Kobe. Pull it back, Kobe. Switch. I don't even gotta look, I take the shot in here. Switch. I don't even touch the rim when I pull up, it's just switch. Back for what? Only thing I know is switch. Pull it back, Kobe. I like that. All right, that's that Kobe right there, Dame Dollar featuring uh, Snoop Dogg, Derek Milano, and our boy Lil Strap right there. Yes. All right, guys, make sure you're right back here on my Tuesday. My Tuesday? <laughs> Are we Tuesday next week? I think it's Tuesday. I don't know. It's probably Monday. Mondays, 8 p.m., New Music Mondays, then back on Tuesdays. Next week, two it Tuesdays. I think Sweden, our Sweden takeover begins on Tuesday of next week, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's like 12.30 or 1, 12.30 a.m. for you guys over there in Sweden. All right, guys, have a good weekend. We love you. We will see you next week. Little Strap, give me that info, all right? I got you. All right, you all have a good night.